Let's pray, okay? God, we come to you this morning just to uh, worship you and to ask that you would just guide us in this time together as we examine your word, that what we learn would not just be information, but it would be stuff, something that transforms our lives and helps us to live in such a way that would honor and please you. And in doing so, God, what would happen is that uh, your kingdom would be uh, expanded, people would come to know you, God, and that uh, you would uh, just be glorified here in this church and this community and around the world. Thank you for this opportunity once again of coming together to worship you, God, and, and, to, and to, just to lift songs to you and praises to you and to do all the things that, uh, that would honor and please you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but I, I do read a lot. I read a lot, and uh, I read a lot of things that are encouraging, but I, sometimes I read some things that are discouraging. Uh, when I read, uh, in recent days, church statistics, uh, I'm discouraged uh, in the big picture in America because we're losing ground quickly as churches in America. The latest polls that I was reading about article just the other day said that less than 20% of Americans attend church on any given weekend. Uh, that means in any Catholic, uh, mainline, or evangelical church. That was the, the group that it was talking about there. Uh, so there's not many. 17.7% actually was the number that it said was on any given weekend in America that people were in church. Uh, now, once again, I've told you before that going to church doesn't make you a Christian, okay? Any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Um, but, uh, but being there probably is an indication that you're trying to grow in Christ and that we're making an impact. And the question is, so often, is why are people, not, uh, why are people going away from churches and, and, and in different directions? Um, well, today we're going to talk about that because we've been in the book of Ephesians now since the beginning of the summer. Uh, we've been going through the book of Ephesians and studying that book and looking at what the, the Bible has to say there through that. And we're going to be in chapter 4 today in just a few minutes. And uh, first I want to talk about something that Jesus sa uh, said, though even about 30 years prior to when Paul wrote these words in Ephesians. Um, the thing that I found out that's true about why so often people don't go to churches, it's very rarely that churches, the reason people don't go to churches, number one, is because it's not because they don't know what a church is. They don't ride by and go like, oh, that's a church, what is that? You know, most people know what a church is, they, what a church does. The, most, the, the main reason in surveys that people have, do not go to churches is because they've been to one and they found it lacking. And because of that, so often they found it not helpful in their life. And so today we have so many options in our world. People, unless they find it something that really grabs their attention and it really has a purpose in their life, what happens is, is people just find it no need to go there at all. But uh, as we look today, today's sermon is called One. One. And one is, is that which God, Jesus has told us uh, to do. Jesus, matter of fact, in John 17 had a prayer, and he, when he prayed, he prayed for his people that they would be one. Uh, and, and this is what he prayed. He says, he says this in John 17, verses 20 through 21. And this is in the middle of a longer prayer that Jesus prays for his people. And he says, my, my prayer is not for them alone. And them was the people that he was there in that day talking to in the church. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those. Now, who is those? Those is anybody that comes after them who are followers of Christ. And guess what? That means it's us as well. He says, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And he says, this is what it is. I pray that, they, that all of them may be one. This is what he prays for. Of all the things he could pray for, he says, I pray that, that all the people that come, uh, that are there in the church, there uh, as Jesus is praying, and then he says, all the people that are going to be coming after him, I pray, my main prayer is that they would be one. 
Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And this is the reason he says that I want to pray that they would be one. So that the world may believe. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. That the world may believe that the message of Jesus is true. He's saying, I pray that, that the one thing that's going to make an impact on people is that, is that uh, in the world is that they see, see us as one. What Jesus was basically saying here is this. This is the very basic message here. And he's saying that if we get this right, if we get this one thing right, that we're one, we're unified, we're going in the same direction, people will believe. If we get this right, people will believe. When a local group of believers are together in this, it draws people to Christ. And the opposite of this is true as well, though. We get this wrong, and we become the reason people don't believe. When the church does not get this right, when we're not focused on the same thing, when we're divisive and, and things go, go in different directions, then it drives people away. So Jesus prays that if they don't get anything else right, he said that the one thing that's going to draw people to Christ is that they look at a Christian community, a group of believers, and they see that they're unified, they're one in purpose in what they do. He says, I pray that they would be lined up around the one thing, and that is simply that the purpose of God is to love people uh, the purpose of the church is to love people and to love God. And then we've talked about that at Great Oaks. Our main, we've talked about this all the time. Our purpose here at Great Oaks is to love, help people love God and to love people and to help people take their next step towards God. And we've focused our attention. We're uh, around that for the last uh, 15, 16 years since we've been a church. That's been our purpose here as a church. It's not been, one of the things that so often you find, and this is, this is always a struggle for me as, as a leader in a church, is that um, as we grow, and when I came here 12 years ago, and we were over to the school in the uh, elementary school, about 100, 120 people meeting on average attendance, um, we were very focused. We were very focused. You know, I mean, it's easy to get a smaller group of people focused. But as we grew larger, what happened was, and people come from different backgrounds and different different. Uh, Many people, unchurched, unchurched people, there's no problem at all because they don't have an agenda when they come in. But uh, people that come from other church backgrounds are going like, well, my church was like this, and we need to do this. And so what happens is, is we have all this thing to keep us, it, and it necessarily, it wasn't necessarily anything bad. Uh, I mean, never, no one has ever come to me and said, Pastor Bill, we, you know, we need to start, uh, you know, I don't know, some kind of bizarre ministry that has nothing to do with anything. Nobody's ever asked that. What they always want to do is do something that's good, but it's not our focus in what we're doing. And so sometimes we've had to say no to certain things and, and, and so we can say yes to other things. But I think one of the things that's helped us here at Great Oaks to be focused and grow and reach people and grow to where we are now is that we've been focused on just, just one thing. Loving God, loving people, and helping people take their next step. That's, that's all we're focused about. So anytime anybody says, you know, do we need to do this? We need to do this. And we're going like, okay, how does it help us love God, love people, and take our next step towards God, help people take their next step towards God? And because of that, people have been, uh, been drawn to Great Oaks. There's a, lot of gra there's a lot of churches out there. And sadly enough, you know, this, in the same survey I was reading, 96, uh, 94% of churches in America are either plateaued or declining. They haven't grown at all. Only 6% of churches in America are growing in any way. And, and that's, that's a sad commentary. So that's why Jesus says, and I think so often, and I've been a part of it. I was, I was in Virginia back visiting my family back, in, uh, back last, let's see, the last time I was there was, when was the last time I was there? It's been a while, March, I guess. And uh, when I was visiting my family, talking to all my different family members about the churches they were going to, and not one was going to a church that was healthy and growing. Not one. 
And it was sad to hear their stories and the struggles they were going through. And, I thought, and, and, and every time it was really some divisiveness and some kind of a conflict within the walls of the church, churches very, very rarely uh, have problems with theology. It's power struggles and people wanting to do their own thing. And so that's what's been so great here. Let me tell you, folks, the reason I say that and the reason I'm, I'm talking about this this morning as we come to this point of Ephesians is because you guys have done a great job with this. I mean, this is one of the reasons I believe one of the main reasons we as a church have grown is because we've been focused on the, on the main thing and not got sidetracked by so many other things. Now, Let's get to where we want to get to today, and that's in Ephesians. About 30 years after Jesus prayed this prayer, um, the Apostle Paul, who had planted churches all along the Mediterranean Rim, he noticed something. And these were all little churches. These were all mostly house churches. That means they were probably in houses in those days weren't like they are houses today. You know, they weren't big enough to hold a whole lot of people. And so house churches were usually 15 to 20 to 30 people. That'd be a huge house church, 30 people. And so there was all these little house churches they'd planted all over the place. And as, they, as, as he was planting his churches, he noticed something. He, he noticed that there was all these different people, and, and all these different people in, the, in these churches. And for some reason, as these churches were growing, they all focused on the same thing. They all operated uh, in the same way. And so what he talks about here in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and in really the whole book of Ephesians, is he teases out, uh, in a sense, Paul does, what Jesus said in that prayer about what it means to look in reality when, when a church is one, when a church is really fo focusing on the main thing. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 today, verses, starting with verse 3. And this is what he says about that. He says this, make every effort. How much effort is every effort? That means like, yeah, I mean, this is not like halfway. Make every effort, he says, to keep the unity, and there's that one thing again, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he starts this whole little thing with, in verse 4, he says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Get the one part? I mean, Paul says it over and over again. He says, we're all called to this uh, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What is he talking about here? He's saying like, hey guys, the main thing is this. Make every effort to be one. Make every effort because like Jesus had said in his prayer, he says, this is, this is one of the keys that will draw people because if you look at the world today, do you see people being one or are they divisive? Do politics draw people together or do they divide them? They divide them generally. I mean, do, uh, do countries naturally just work together? Is it, a, is it a hard to have peace between countries? I mean, we talked about this last week, a couple of weeks ago, about as you travel around the world, how divisive things are in different places in the world. Uh, you go to different places, and there's conflicts between people, and there's walls and barriers that are there that cause people to be divided. And so it's not a natural thing for people that come from different backgrounds, different kinds of educational backgrounds, different viewpoints, different things like that, to come together and to be focused on one. So it's really unusual when you come to a group of people, like a church, and you see People working together for, for one thing. And so it draws people to that. People want to be a part of something that, that has this, this cohesiveness as well. Then in verse 7, Paul starts it out this way. He said, you know, do all these things to be one. He says, but. He says, but. He says, you know, we have all these different people. And, then he, these, this, uh, and, and I notice how they all work together. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. 
See, he's saying, he said, I noticed that there's all these different people and they have all these different things going on, but God has given every one of them something special. Now, this is not the grace that we talk about so often when we talk about salvation grace, that God gives us unmerited favor. In the context here of this verse and in the Greek language originally, what it's talking about here, this grace that it's talking about here in this verse, is the gra- it's what co- might be called grace gifts. God has given all of us uh, some type of thing, which is a, a gift, a giftedness that we can that we can use. Um, and, and then uh, to substantiate this, I'm not going to, uh, there's a little, there's some little uh, dots up there. If I had a pointer right there after a portion, there's some dots. I left out a, a couple of verses there because we're not going to go over those today. But basically what he does there, he quotes from Psalms, uh, and this is for the Jews' benefit that we're there to substantiate his point. But then he comes back to that, and, and it kind of ties into verse 7. He says in verse 11, so Christ himself, he said, God has given each one of us, Christ has portioned each one of us a grace gift, something. He says, so Christ himself gave some of these gifts. Then he starts naming some of the gifts. He said, for instance, he gave the apostles. Now, who are the apostles? They were the 12 guys, you know, the original guys that were followers of Jesus Christ. He gave some to be apostles. Not everybody's an apostle. He says he gave some to be prophets. Now, who's a prophet? A prophet's somebody who has in the Bible who has a really high uh, intolerance for evil and sin. And because of that, uh, they speak out in the culture about the stuff that's going on in culture. That's kind of tends what a prophet is in Scripture. He says he also gave some to be evangelists. And evangelists are those people who are so at ease with sharing their faith. I mean, you know, you, you go to a conference, you hear somebody tell about, well, you just need to share your faith. Well, I was on an airplane, you know, and, and this person sitting next to me, and they started con- got up a conversation. They led them to Christ right there. And, you know, now they're praying, you know, to accept Christ. You know, I, I don't do that too well, you know. There are some people that can do that, though. I mean, they can, they can just, it becomes natural for them just to share their faith. That's what an evangelist is. God gives some people that, that giftedness. We can all share our faith in some way, but some people are especially gifted in that as well. Then he said some are to be, and he uses two terms here, pastors and teachers, and sometimes it's pastors slash teachers. And that's basically people in the, in the scriptures who can lead and shepherd uh, and explain things uh, to, to people in the church. Now, this is just a little bit here because other places in the Bible, Paul, uh, not only Paul, but other people give other lists of gifts, but they're just illustrations, gifts like leadership and service and administration and all these things. But what Paul is saying here, what he's saying here is that God, one of the things he does is he gives everybody something, but when he gives everybody something, it all tends to work together. It works together. Not everybody, uh, not everybody does everything. And so, that's important. And then he says why he gives them, he gives all these gifts, why Christ has apportioned these gifts. In verse 12, he says, he's done this to equip his people for what? For works of service. The reason we have all these other gifts is not so we can just go around and go, look at me. I mean, you know, I'm so cool. I mean, that was what was happening in the book of uh, in Corinthians. If you want to read about a bunch of messed up people in a church that was divisive, read, read Corinthians. Because all they dealt with was like, I have this gift, you, I don't have this gift, this gift is better than this gift. And they were constantly fighting with each other. It's not a really, really good church. I wouldn't want to be a part of the Corinthian church. Uh, you probably wouldn't either, you know. But the issue is here, he's saying, he says, but he's given all these gifts, not for ourselves, but to build up, to equip his people for works of service. And he says this, and then he uses this term, so that the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ Maybe built up. Now I want to stop a second and talk about what that means. One of the things that Paul talks about in Scripture a lot, and it's something that's, that we so often, I don't think we really deal with this in our, in our culture so much, is this concept of what the body of Christ is. Paul basically says this. 
He says that we, while we don't have Jesus physically here with us right now, you can experience, have a really close experience of what it's like to be close to Jesus if you look at a fully functioning church. So the church, he says, equals the body of Christ. The church equals the body of Christ. He says the closest anyone will ever get to being in the presence of Jesus on this earth at this time is when they get with a group of Christians who are on mission, they are doing the one thing that uh, using all their various gifts, their talents, their experiences, and their education, and they bring it all together to do that one thing. This is actually the closest we'll ever get to being in the physical presence of Christ. That's what he's talking about here. And that's why it's so important. See, that's why some of you, uh, I know that's true that People, I've heard stories over the years, you would say your story just, uh, is just as you came here. Some people come here with both feet on the brake, okay? You know what I'm talking about? You know who you, who you are. Um, somebody invites you and you're going like, man, I don't want to go to church. You know, I've been to church before. I know what them church people are like, you know, and I don't want to go there. And you came with both feet on the brake and so you show up here and for some reason, for some reason, what happens is you see all the things going on, you're going like, well, this is not your standard church, you know, this is kind of a little different, you know. I mean, not only do they not, the pastor doesn't wear a suit and tie, which the only time you'll see me with one of those on is when I'm doing a funeral or a wedding, okay? So if you know if I've got a suit and tie on, I'm doing a funeral or a wedding, okay? That's it, okay? And that's the kind of deal. But the rich issue is not only that, but, you know, uh, the people are more relaxed here. You can come in, you can drink coffee, you get free coffee, you know, you do all that stuff. That's not the deal. The thing is that we have all these different people. You came through a whole mirage, uh, just a gamut of people today, probably getting people at the door to greet you, people at the Welcome Center, people at the, if you checked in your kids, you had people over there, there's people working over here, there's people everywhere doing stuff together. And y'all didn't even see what happened before we even got started this morning because this room was empty this morning before we got started. I mean, there was not a chair in here, none of the staging was set up down here, none of that stuff. There was nothing up on the stage, none of that stuff was there. It was all changed around, and all those volunteers do this thing together. And so, so you came here, and so some people come here, you got both feet on the brake because you have, and you might have a bad attitude, and you didn't want to have anything to do with religion, but somebody promised you, said, if you'll go to church with me, I'll give you lunch. Or you're single, and you're going like, and you're single, and you're going like, you know, if you go to church, you might meet a cute person. Because there's a lot of young families, y'all, y'all, all the young individuals at Great Oaks, you know, in this community. And, and, and for whatever reason you showed up and you felt your defenses beginning to drop away because you're going like, well, this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. You see, that happened all the time in the New Testament. I don't know, see... And what it does is when your defenses are dropped, you begin to relax and you begin to open up and, and you see this, it's because we're not trying to do too many things. We're trying to focus our attention upon the one thing. And we want to peel away all the stuff that causes the barriers and the problems to, to everything. It's kind of like the woman at the well. There's a lot of people in the, in the Bible that would simply say things like, you know, uh, come and see. There was a, you may know the story of the woman at the well. If you don't, it's all right. It's this woman who had this really bad reputation. She'd been with a lot of guys, Okay. That would have been a bad reputation. And, and, and she goes to everybody. After Jesus meets with her and lowers her defenses and talks to her, she goes and she goes, runs back into the town and she comes out and she says, you've got to go and meet this man. He told me everything about me. And probably some of the men goes, well, everybody knows everything about you. But it's not like that, she said. You just come and see how, how our life has been changed. And I can tell you, I've heard story after story. 
story after story of people whose lives are changed, whose defenses were broken down because they, you, because they come into an environment like this and other churches like this as well. And they begin to listen to God's word and they sing the songs and they may not believe everything. They might not even believe, are still not even sure about this Jesus thing. But because of that oneness and because of the focus of what's going on, what happens is, as Jesus prayed, that oneness is the most important thing. And that unity is the most important thing. And then he says, it goes, on, goes along a bit further uh, in the last part of verse 12 into verse 13. He says, this, he says the reason that we're, the church gathers and is on mission, it's the body of Christ. He says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And he says this, until, in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What he's saying here basically is this. If we will do what we're called to do, and that is everybody use the gifts and the talents and abilities that they have, and we work together in one thing, what happens is the whole body, not just individuals, but the whole body of Christ becomes more focused and aligned with Jesus and it can experience more of the presence of Jesus. That's what maturity is. Maturity is us experiencing more of the presence of Jesus in our life, and we do that as we align with his truth and stay focused on the main purposes. And then he says this in the last couple of verses we're going to look at today, and then I'm going to comment on this a little bit. He says in verse 15, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And then in verse 16, he, he fleshes it out a little bit more. From him, the whole body, joined and held together, uh, every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, what's all this mean? What's all this mean? Well, it means this, that over a period of time, over a period of time, a group of people, whether it's in a home or whether it's in a church, as they grow in their ability to work together, to do the work of God, it's like the physical body that becomes more mature. And a picture of, of, of this, as he, he uses here, is that, that Christ is the head and that everything's attached to the head and the head tells it what to do. It would be kind of weird. You know, most of us, that's the way our body, well, hopefully all of us, that's the way our body works, right? Your brain tells you what to do. And if you rebel against it, like my back's doing right now, against anything else, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I don't want to cooperate with that. But the, the reality is, the reality is, is that this is a picture where Jesus is the head. And maturity of the church, and the church that draws people to, to it, is the church where people, where Jesus is the head, and we're all focused on the one thing. And we have different backgrounds, we have different gifts, different abilities, but we do the one thing together that God sent Jesus to do. And like I said, once again, the reason I bring this up is not because this is a big issue, but the reason is I look around over the last, and I shared this a couple of weeks ago, the reason that I'm always, always amazed at, at this is that as I look around, that's one of the main reasons that we have grown as a church. It's because we stayed focused on the main thing. And, and it's attracted people to this church and to Christ. And some people will say, well, you know, I, my, my part is not that big a deal. I mean, I just open the door and welcome people, you know. It's kind of like this, you know, we all got parts in our body. It's kind of like, I mean, you ever talk to your fingers and say, hey, finger, that, you did a great job, you know. I mean, that'd be weird, right? But, you know, if the truth is, I mean, he would, he, if the finger could talk to you, he'd say, well, all I could do is grasp things, you know. But if you didn't have that finger, and especially that thumb, the thing is, you couldn't do anything. Of that. You couldn't grasp anything, could you? So that the finger and that thumb, even though it might seem a small part, it's hugely important. You ever, had a, you ever had a toe that's been broken? Just a toe, okay? A toe, what's a big deal with a toe? 
I mean, you don't even think about your toes most of the time unless you don't do anything to them and you put sandals on and they're ugly. But I mean, the, rea the reality is, the reality is, is, is so often we just think about there's certain parts that aren't important. But the, the thing is, is this, is the picture here that Paul paints is that every individual part of the body is significant. And he says the result is that, that, that each, uh, as each part does its work, it makes everything work together. And so it's kind of like this. This is kind of a cutesy saying to kind of say this. When each part does its part, people become a part. Nothing will draw people to a group, that, and especially to a church, when people are working together. See, Jesus said that when you get, into, get this oneness thing right, people believe. They lose some of their resistance. And people who are skeptical, they may not have all their questions answered, but they find they are not as skeptical as they were before. And that's why Jesus prayed, God, if you don't do anything else, if you don't do anything else, God, help them to be one. I, I found that amazing in that prayer in John 17. Of all the things that Jesus could pray for us, and that was a prayer not just for the people back then, it was a prayer for us too. He said, my prayer is that you would, they would become one. Now, we see that all the time here at Great Oaks, how that works. You know, it's like this. Somebody invites somebody, and somebody at the door greets somebody, and, and, and then somebody helps them check in their little somebodies and, uh, who came with them, and somebody teaches the Bible story to the little somebodies. They're doing it over there right now. And somebody makes sure the chairs are all set up. Somebody did that this morning. And somebody uh, runs lights, and somebody runs sound, and somebody runs media, and somebody... Uh, speaks to you and somebody, uh, somebody speaks and somebody plays and somebody sings and then somebody greets you on the way out. And all these things together, all these different somebodies, they seem very impersonal in some ways. But the reality it is, is that if we didn't have all these somebodies working together, but when something like that works together, it's amazing. Something amazing happens. I think about so often on Sunday mornings and different times, if we didn't have all these little things going on, you know what would happen? It was, it, any of these things that wouldn't happen. If you didn't have children's workers show up, how, how good would you think our, we'd be going on today? It'd be a squalling mess in here. That's what it would be, right? I mean, if we didn't have the people come, somebody who came and some people came and made coffee this morning, some of you would be extra grumpy, right? Because you'd expect, you got to come to the place to expect your coffee. I mean, if the band didn't show up this morning, or just one of the band members didn't show up this morning, you know, there would be a gap there. And sometimes they, that happens occasionally. Something happens. You know, somebody gets sick or something. Uh, you know, what, you know it, so it doesn't matter. You're going like, well, if you show, didn't show up, Pastor Bill, you know, what would we do? Well, I got other past staff people can do it as well. I mean, that's happened before. Some people get sick, and I don't have very often. But the reality is that there's, all these parts have to work together. Do you understand that? That's why it's so important. And because of all those somebodies working together, I get, the, I get probably the best part of the job, and I get all these cards and these letters and these replies from people about what happened at church. And they, Let me give you some examples. I cannot tell you, this past two weeks, I've gotten cards. People have signed up and said this. They said, I came to Great Oaks. I, I didn't want to come, but somebody, you know, somebody invited me. And, you know, I've been listening for the several weeks now, and I want to know how to start a relationship with Christ or how to be baptized. Or I had people call me or email me. Email is the common thing that people does, does nowadays. And, and I get these long emails, and it's this whole story of stuff that's going on in people's lives. And they tell all this mess that's been going on in their life. And they're going like, you know, I've been through this really nasty divorce, and I got this recently. And somebody said, the thing is, is that, you know, when I came, I was going to listen. And this was just a few weeks ago. And he said, they said, you know, one of the things that happened was, is, is I went and actually called my ex. 
because I just felt like I needed to make, have a conversation. Or I've had people say, I've called and, and apologized to someone because, and I hadn't talked to them in years and I had this bitterness between them. But see, the thing is, it's, it's this whole deal where we're one and, we, and, and this environment allows people to come and to explore who they are in Christ and so it makes a big deal. I mean, there's no better illustration of that than what happened here the la this last five days, six days this week. I mean, I don't know if you, how many of you actually volunteered or volunteered here in uh, cross training this week? Okay, you see a few people. Okay, there was a, we averaged over 120 kids here every night, which is fantastic. But you know that it was 80 volunteers a night to take care of those 120 kids. And for, some, and for the first time, I think in history, Dan actually had people that volunteered that he didn't have a place for. So we had a list of potential volunteers. You see, that's never happened before. But let me tell you, you know what I heard? I came, so I came Monday night when it started. I didn't have to do anything, okay? I'm the lead pastor. I do nothing with cross-training. Zero. Hallelujah. Okay. No, I'm not saying it's bad, but no, let me tell you guys did a great job. I came the first night just to kind of get, just to greet, the, the, uh, see the volunteers come in and, and thank them for doing it. And then I came back Friday night, was, was the parent night, and I walked, wandered around and talked to people and talked and met people. That's what I do. And let me tell you what I heard over and over and over again. I told them, thank you for bringing, I told them, I say, thank you for bringing your kid. They looked at me and go, no, thank you. Thank you for what y'all guys are doing here. This is incredible. I said, my kids love it here. And I said, you know, the same thing kind of, it's not cross-training on Sunday mornings, but kind of the same thing's happening over there every Sunday. With, with, and cross-training was kindergartners through fifth graders. And Sunday mornings, it's, it's zero through fifth graders. And the same thing is happening on, on uh, Wednesday nights with, with middle schoolers. We have, we've been averaging uh, over 120 middle, middle schoolers, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade kids here on Wednesday nights that come here, and we have tons of volunteers that come and, and take care of this. And then on Thursday nights, now we're doing the same thing with, with uh, senior hires as well. And so we have all of these kids and all these things going on. And then, then during the weeks, during the, school, uh, during the summer, it's kind of more relaxed, but during the, from September through May, we have small groups, adult small groups, and homes all over the place and people open up their homes and they and they and they and I've never had a problem getting enough people to lead small groups or to open their homes for small groups and it's an inconvenience sometimes but the reality is is all these people working together is what makes Great Oaks a church that draws people to Christ and that's what that's what Paul was talking about here and so I say all of that to close this way the reality is, if we're going to continue to do this and continue to reach people for Christ, we need you to be a somebody in this body. We need you to be a somebody in this body. We need every single one of you that is not currently functioning as a part of this body to be a somebody in this, bo in this body. Now, this morning, you're thinking, you know, earlier, some of you, and I know that you're regular attenders, you're going like, we forgot the offering this morning. Especially everybody on admin council is probably thinking about that right now. But uh, that's the ones that handle the money, you know, and stuff. And I'm going like, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. So I asked the ushers to go ahead and get ready. And I asked our band to go ahead, if they're not already back there, to go ahead and get ready as well. Um, we held off today until the end because what we want to do is we want to, every time, offer you an opportunity. And I knew what we were going to be talking about, obviously, today. I want everyone to have an opportunity. If you're not currently plugged in, let me tell you something. 
When I, when I go to volunteers and say to them th- the thing about I say, thank you for volunteering so often, they, I hear the same things that I heard from the parents the other night. No, thank you for allowing them to work. Because when I go and when I'm involved in what I do at the church, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. And so if you want to be blessed, if you want to really grow in your Christian faith, if you want to be blessed and challenged, you need to volunteer. So if you're, if you're not per- currently involved in volunteering, I want to give you the opportunity to do something. I don't, you're not going to stand up. You're not going to do anything like that. Nothing weird, okay? I won't do any of these things for you. What I want you to do is in the bulletin, if you had a bulletin with you, there's a card that says welcome card on it. And what I want you to do is to pull that out right now. And if you'd like to consider volunteering and you really don't know what to do, and we're not going to call you next week. We might not even call you the next two or three weeks, but by the fall, we will call you. Because what we're going to be doing is we ramp up a lot of things in the fall. Children's ministry, student ministries, worship ministries, lots of things in the fall. And you're going like, well, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the fall. Well, good. Well, we'll help you to know what you're going to be doing in the fall, okay? <laughs> so I'd like you to just take the card, the welcome card, put your name and some contact information, and check the box, which there's a box on there that says something about volunteering or serving. I don't, I don't have one in front of me, so I can't remember what it says. And then place it either in the offering bag, or if you don't have a chance to fill it out before the time that, you, that we finish up, you can place it on the Welcome Center as well. And what we will do is some of our staff will get, uh, over the next few weeks between now and September, will contact you, talk to you personally, and talk to you about where you might best fit in with whatever that, that grace, grace gift that God has given you. And in doing so, not only will you help us to even be more one than we already are, but you'll help yourself to grow and become more than what God wants you to be. So this is basically it. We need those of you who have benefited from it to participate in it. The local church, let me listen here. The local church is the best investment of your life outside of raising your kids and your grandkids. That's the only disclaimer I put, okay? Because God talks about family a lot in Scripture. The local church is the best investment of your life outside of raising your kids and your grandkids. And if you do so, if you get involved and if you come, you know, in whatever way, you'll be glad you did. Because I believe the church is the hope of the world. Christians who help, the church's purpose is to help draw people to Christ. We're not an organization or an organism we're we're here to to grow into and 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 one of the things we need to do is continue to reach more and more people because as we see in this world the sad statistic is we're not doing a good job worldwide but we can't do anything about everybody else we can only do something about us and let's reach our part of the world and let's reach other parts of the world as we share and as we do the things that god has called us to do okay I'm going to pray, and then our usher can come forward, take up the offering. We're going to have a closing song, and we'll be out of here, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity of sharing together from your word. I thank you for the word that uh, it's in John chapter 17, the prayer that Jesus, you gave for us. Uh, you prayed for us, you know, 2,000 years ago. But also I'm thankful for 30 years later, the apostle Paul in Ephesians uh, kind of expanded on that and talked about what it means in reality, about how working together, when every part works together, how it, how it does something, it produces some kind of dynamic and some kind of thing that allows people to be drawn to it, God, so that they'll open themselves up to you. God, it's this morning, God, as we close and as we give of our offerings to you, God, but also as we commit ourselves to you fully to, 
to serve and to, and to do the things that would honor and please you here, not only in this community, but around the world. God, there may be people here in this room today that, that eventually, you're, you're gonna, because of the giftedness you've given to them, they'll be maybe leading other churches as we plant other churches around. And we pray, God, that you would just begin to open their hearts and minds to you as well. Guide us this morning, God, and all we say and do that we would just please you with all we do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.